Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So these last few weeks, uh, we've been sharing on foundation. Last week, we talked about family. And today we're going to talk about fellowship. So I'm going to give you guys a super, super quick introduction if you weren't here. How many of you guys were not here for week one? You did not hear the message. Okay, so we have, raise your hand one more time because I have CDs. I would really like everybody to get one. One, two, three. You guys helping me? One. Real high, a little higher. One, two, three, four, five. You already got one? For week one, put your hand down. If you got one for week one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Man, you better rip a bunch of them. Okay, so week two, we've actually got it recorded and we've been kind of putting it on our Facebook page. If you didn't get week two, now, we have hard copies of that also, CD. That one that's streamed online is the whole service from worship through the message, through the, through the dismissal, so everything's there. So if we don't get everybody copies today, I wasn't expecting that many people to need the first one, but with these guys will make some copies for you, and we'll get it to you. We, Becky and I feel it's super important for you guys to be on the same page with where our heart is for this next year and where we feel God is taking us in this next season of Harvest Time Church. So we really feel like through these three messages, God has really directed our focus. He's given us somewhat of a, of a, a compass direction of which direction we're going. And God willing, we'll see it come to pass. Amen? Amen. So our third focus point for really for our vision for 2019 is, is going to be on fellowship. So for week one, foundation. So this really covered the, the focus of that the church is going to be focused on, us, on establishing a solid foundation in what we teach and what we expect, and we expect individuals to grow into maturity. So Becky and I feel that if you are not growing into maturity, Becky and I are failing as pastors of this church and as far as leading you. So does that mean that we're going to be the only ones implementing this teaching and developing and maturing you? No, Becky and I have a lot of help. In that when you talk about youth pastors and you talk about life group leaders, all of these people help me accomplish that. But that's going to be my goal in encouraging them to raise and that we become mature Christians. So we must all reach the, the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. So like I said, I don't want to re-preach the whole thing. If you want to hear that whole message, make sure you get that CD. So week two, we focused on family. So this message was focused on being uh, godly mothers and fathers. So the goal of the family is to model a godly established order in the home and reinforce it within the church as we team up raising our children. It's a teamwork method. It's not the church's responsibility to fix the children, right? Because sometimes we can see it as that. But we are to, we're going to partner with you as parents to make sure we're raising our kids in a biblical model. And we're going we're gonna to team up together. So we'll raise and help our children become men and women. And we'll also help our men and women become fathers and mothers. We discuss the importance of spiritually fathering and mothering those who God sends to us. 
Each and every church member has something to offer to help individuals grow during every season of their life. There's nobody here that is insignificant and doesn't have something to help the next generation or to help people grow. And you're like, are you serious? Yeah, there's something that you got that you can help me grow. There's nobody that's insignificant within this church. Ephesians 6, 7, it says, serve wholeheartedly. As if you were serving to the Lord, not men. So as a family of God, we must serve one another. If we're selfish, if we're stingy, if we just have poor attitudes, that is not, that is not a godly representation of what God wants the church to be. We're to serve one another. Not as serving each other, but as serving the Lord. So as a family of God, we must serve one another. To be, a, to be a church that God designs us to be, we will serve one another. And for some of you, you may say, man, I got to grow in that area. You know, I just don't know how to do it. Maybe can be an excuse, but some of us may be at that place, well, I don't want to do it. And that's when we ask God to begin to change our heart, that we would serve as Christ served. So this week, we're going to focus on the importance of fellowship within the church. You, did you know that you can live together as a family and not have fellowship? I'll tell you what, I don't have my phone with me, but technology is really messing this up for us. It really is. Uh, you know, and I, I, I sometimes do that same thing where we're sitting at the table. And what's the table supposed to be? Hey, how was your day? What's going on? Man, that, that should be the pinnacle of fellowship, right? And there's times we catch, I catch myself where my children are sitting there and uh, I'm playing on my phone. Becky's on her phone and the rule is, hey, you don't get up till you're dismissed. But mommy and daddy were so sucked into their phone that one took off. We didn't know they left. <laughs> Cassidy, where are you at? Get back over here to the table, baby. Well, what's the point of them being there if I'm disengaged? Preaching to myself here, Right. You know, don't feel like I'm just pointing this at you. Uh, we get distracted. Culture, the society, it's getting to the place of where I isolate myself and there is a lack of fellowship. Ultimately, God desires fellowship and community to be a huge part of the DNA of the church. That should be something we do and we do it really, really well. The definition of fellowship is friendly association especially with people who share one's interest. So hopefully, all of us are here, hopefully, because we serve a living God, hopefully because we desire to serve each other, hopefully because you desire and you need and you understand the importance of coming together in unity and corporately worshiping God. A lot of that was covered in week one, so get the CD. I'm not going to go any further with that, right? Oh, man, there's just something super, super powerful about fellowship. Let's pray this morning. God, I pray that as we uh, look at your word and we focus on fellowship, God, that we wouldn't just talk about it, God, but we'd be about it. Father, I pray that you would be the teacher, Father, that you would guide us as we look at these scriptures. Lord, that you would just cause our focus to be on your heartbeat for fellowship this morning. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just be passive in this, Father, but we would apply it to, to each of ourselves personally, God, that we would apply the principle of fellowship in everything we do. Father, Lord, we thank you, God. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear and a heart to receive what your word speaks to us this morning, God.
and that we would be united through fellowship, God, in all we do. In Jesus' name. Give you a quick little illustration. So if my child doesn't want to brush his teeth because he doesn't like it, it doesn't matter. I know better than he does. He is going to brush his teeth. If my child doesn't like school, it doesn't matter. I know better than she does, and it's the law. She's going to go to school. If my child doesn't like vegetables, it doesn't matter. I know that they are healthy and that there will be a a day when his or her taste will change. We'll keep trying them. These things don't make me a bad parent. They make me a good parent. Church is no different. Kids will wake up and say they don't want to go to church. They may be like this for months, maybe even years. It's normal. Parents need to be encouraged to, to parent well through these phases. They know better. And this is the time when you need to do what they know is best for their child. If we as parents don't make church a priority, then our children probably won't either. Should I pray and we should go home? Right? We talked about the super importance of, man, making sure that we're modeling what we're communicating. Right? We know that church is beneficial to our children. But the type of church that God wants needs to reflect His model. A church in fellowship. Let's we'll start with this bold statement. Today I really believe that church is not as big of a priority as it used to be. Right? Today's culture sees the church as optional rather than as essential. We say, oh, it's not a, it's not a big deal. You know, what, so what, what is changing It's not that the world is getting better and there's Christians everywhere and the church is now irrelevant. It's just our focuses have changed. We've either gotten distracted or we've gotten too busy or or perhaps maybe the church has lost its power. Because I really believe that the power of God is what's going to keep the church established and to give the church its place always. You You have people who have sickness in their body and they come to the church and all of a sudden they're becoming healed. The church becomes just as relevant as the hospital, right? Think about it, man. This is, you know, man, it's radical. Yeah, it's possible. But, you know, why, why is that shifting? Why is that changing? Why is it? I, I believe that we are fighting against culture, but God's the same God. The church is the same church it's always been, but have we stayed focused as to what the biblical model of church should be? Or are we inventing what we want church to be? Well, I want it to be comfortable. I just, man, no, I just want you to preach nothing but prosperity. Everything's going to be good. You're never going to have sickness in your body. You're never going to lose a job. You're never going to have bills to pay. It's going to be great. Make you feel any better? No, because that's not truth. What do we do in hardship? What do we do when life is difficult? Do I, do I glorify God in the valleys of my life? Or do I only glorify Him on the hilltop? For those of you who know, my dad has had some health issues this weekend. But I know God is bigger than sickness. I know God is bigger than death. And he's king of this world. So I'm super inadequate. I can't do anything, but I know God can. And it's making a choice to release those things that we cannot control. And say, God, you're God and I'm not. It's releasing those things to God.
Churches across the United States were seeing people who are no longer committing to church like they once did. I've talked to other pastors and friends. Man, there is a lack of commitment. Now, I don't know if that's because we're committed to so many other things that we don't want to commit to the church at that point. Well, I'm committed to, don't get mad if you're involved in some of these things, right? If, if you know, soccer, extracurricular things, karate, let me name all of them so nobody gets offended. Basketball, football, softball, tennis, hockey, ain't no hockey around here, swimming. Whatever, whatever it is that we commit to. I'm not saying that those things are not super, super important and we don't need to commit to those things and we don't need to do well. But I'm saying when we commit to those things, are we committing to the church in the same degree? And I was talking to a pastor and I didn't realize this. You know, he said how basic, I mean, because we were talking about older generations. and I'm like, man, I'm young amongst all these pastors that I was with. And I was like, they were talking about the 80s. And I was like, I kind of am the 80s. I couldn't, I was like, I don't know what to tell you, you know, because they all went around, all these older, well, this, and then and they said, well, what do you think? I was like, well, I'm from that age that you're talking about. But they talked about how in the old days, you would never have a baseball game on Wednesday night because everybody came to church. Sports and extracurriculars wouldn't be done on Sundays because church was the priority. None of that matters anymore. So what's happening? What's changing? You know, to what, you know, Let's say if all of us represented everybody involved in sports, what if we all boycotted and said, we're not playing on Sundays and we're not playing on Wednesdays. Have fun with that. And nobody showed up because we go to church. I'm not saying that we take that drastic stance, but at what point does church become the priority? At what point are we committed to church like we're committed to these things that are so dear to our heart that ultimately are insignificant? Now, we can use those things to glorify God, so make sure you're hearing this in balance, right? I'm not saying all of these things are not important, but when they become more of a priority than church and fellowship and unity in Christ, man, we got, we got to make sure that there's balance. Super important. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, "...and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds." Let us not give up meeting together as some of us are in a habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. So this, the Bible was written a long, long time ago, right? So I guess a long, long time ago also they had a habit of skipping church. That's what it sounds like, right? It wasn't written, but what was relevant then is still relevant today, right? It is. Man, we, there, there's, something, there's something super important about staying in fellowship, staying in unity, staying closely knit together. Some of those focus points, it says to love and to have good deeds. So we have to cultivate a community within our church that is built around faith, love, and fellowship. We also have to remember that when you are not here representing part of the body of Christ, parts are missing. So what if you begin to remove critical components, critical parts of a vehicle? All of a sudden, that vehicle will no longer work like it was designed to work. You, you remove the main belt on your motor and see what happens. Oh, it'll turn. You don't have much to work, though, right? You begin to remove these critical components, and all of a sudden, the vehicle begins to break down. When you're not apart of the church and you're not doing your part and you disconnect from the body, the church begins to break down. 
So what am I saying? Um, you know, we have, to, we have to realize that we are unified. We're together. We are the body of Christ and that we need each and every single person doing their part. And each of you guys are important. You're like, well, you know, what if you were the key? You ever lost your keys and tried to start a car? My wife does it every two weeks. Man, I got three or four copies made of everything. This is the contingency key. This is the contingency for the contingency, right? But without the key, you may say, well, I'm just a key. I'm not a cool part. I don't, I'm not a muffler that makes all this noise. I'm not an engine that has all this horsepower, but you're super significant because without you, nothing else will work. You have to see yourself as that and that God is building together the body of Christ where everybody has a role and everybody has a function. And when it functions together, man, it's such a beautiful thing. Nothing like a V8 motor, four-wheel drive cranked up with the exhaust modified. And all you women say, new topic. (laughs) I'm done with this. I don't even know what we're talking about. So you got to understand that you're just like that. You're a critical part, just like the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 in verse 18, it says, But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So does that mean Noe and Becky are determined in your position? Who did it say put them in place? God, as he saw fit in the position, just like he wanted. Verse 20, it says, And it is, there are many parts, but there is one body. Verse 25, it says, There should be no division in the body, but but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And this is where we get personal, right? This is where we begin to break fellowship. This is where we begin to have discord. This is where we begin to have issues when you say, oh, well, my position, it's way more significant than the person that cleans the church. That's not a big deal. (laughs) I'll tell that person to quit cleaning for three weeks and you tell me how insignificant it is. Ain't no toilet paper. You start hollering from the stall and yeah, you'll figure it out real quick. How significant the insignificant jobs we think are, right? So I'm here to tell you this morning, there is no insignificant thing. There's no insignificant part of the body. And God is building it. He's putting it together as he designs, as he wants. But we need to have mutual concern. We have to have equal concern for each other. If one suffers, every part suffers. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Everybody thinks that the pinky toe is insignificant until you wrap it around a corner on a wall. And oh, man, it'll humble you, right? It's significant, but it tends to go unnoticed. Psalms 133. It says, how good and pleasing it is when brothers live together in unity. How many of you guys have heard that passage before? But how many of you guys really paid attention to what it says? What word does it use? Live together. This is totally different than just hanging out or meeting once a week or just, hey, what's up, buddy? High five. I'll see you next week. It says live together. That means close proximity. That means I'm connected to you always. Family is family. Living together is close quarters. You're going to be all in my space. I'm going to might know more information about you than I want to know. You ever, been, you ever been around a person like that? You know, you're just becoming friends, right? And they just, it's like, hey, I guess we're going to be good friends from here out. Because you don't want me telling anybody that, and I can't tell anybody that. 
We get in those positions, you know, of just utmost transparency. But, man, that's what living together is all about, right? You see the good, the bad, the ugly. You see the bad habits. You see the areas of, why don't you put your shoes up? Why don't you clean up after yourself? Hey, that bowl goes to the sink. You get all kinds of dynamics working when you live together, right? Anybody ever went on a mission trip with people? The mission field is hard enough, but that whole consistency of out of your comfort zone, all your conveniences are no longer there. It just agitates and you live in a closer quarters and you really might want to. But I tell you what, you begin to see character come out. You begin to see ugliness come out when you begin to rub up against somebody, right? When we live together. So what's the, what's the importance of this? Why does it matter? Because if we go on to the end of that passage, it says that when this happens, when we live together in unity, there is a commanded blessing that God bestows on those who live, dwell in unity together. Bestowed a commanded blessing. You're like, man, I would love that. Well, you better like fellowship and living together in unity. We gotta be, we that that's the that's the prerequisite for the commanded blessing, that we live in unity. And that's probably something that's gonna have to be cultivated over time. But man, you gotta leave your feelings and your opinions sometimes at the door because in order to get to that place, you're gonna have to drop your selfishness sometimes for the sake of unity. If you got your word, let's look at Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is going to be the, uh, the focus of most of our content today. So this morning, I figured if one Bible's good, two's better, right? So this morning, we're going to look at this passage in the NIV, but then we're going to look at the New King James Version because I think there's a few focus points that the New King James, man, it is so much more impactful. I'm not saying that one is better than the other, that one's, you know, it just gives us more clarity to what the Scripture is saying. So let's look in the NIV first. We're going to read all the way through 42 through 47, Acts 2. Verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together, and they... And they and together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. Okay? So as we look at this passage at the NIV first, you know, the word that it uses there, it says, they devoted themselves. So we're going to look at what, what is the definition of devoted? It says very loving or loyal. Some of the synonyms, it says faithful, true, steadfast, constant, committed, dedicated, devout, loving, affectionate, caring, attentive. Does this reflect your devotion to the church or to your relationship with Christ? 
Because if it doesn't, we need to question, man, are we really devoted? I know when there's some restaurants that if you take your bulletin in, they'll give you like a 15% discount. Please don't be coming just for the discount. I hope there's so much more to it than that. Right? Are you devoted to Christ? Are you devoted to fellowship? Are you devoted to unity? So anonyms for that. Disloyal, unfaithful, and indifferent. It's hard words, right? You're either one or the other. You know, I mean, you know, you can kind of be working towards being devoted, but I mean, nobody wants partial devotion. You think my wife would be okay? Well, I'll be devoted a little bit. Oh, buddy. I have our house all kinds of tore up, right? Full devotion. It says they were devoted to each other and to the teachings of the apostles. So they devoted themselves to what? Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. So how does that apply? How are we modeling that as a church? When we talk about teaching, Sunday morning, right here, you're getting a teaching right now. When we talk about uh, fellowship, we offer that through life groups every Wednesday night to additional fellowship, you know, because Sundays are not, not that I don't want to love on each of you or get a chance to talk to all of you, but it's just not, there's just not enough time and just the setup is different, right? For fellowship to be cultivated, we got to get close. We got to get in a more intimate quarter. So how we accomplish that is our Wednesday night life groups. When we talk about breaking of bread, you guys have seen us do communion up here, right? We do that. And then we talk about prayer. Every Sunday morning, 9.30, we have prayer. We meet over here in this prayer room, and we pray before the service. So, Noah, you're telling me we are committing to these things? Absolutely. We may not all be aware of those things, but I'm trying to make sure that our church is modeled in a way that's biblical. So we need to devote ourselves to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let's look at the New King James Version for this verse 43. Man, I really like what it says. So if we look at the NIV, it says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. You guys ever read the King James or the New King James Version? Some of you guys, we got one back here. Some of you are like, eh. Let me show you the richness of it sometimes, okay? Because I think to me, when I read it, I said, man, this is so much more impactful in my opinion. 43. It says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. It's a little bit more impactful than when you come over here. It says, Everyone was filled with awe. Man, we're talking about way different words, a whole lot of deeper understanding. So what is it talking about? Is it saying that everybody was scared and they ran off and they took off and they left and then there were signs and wonders done back there? No. What this is implying is that there was a fear of the Lord that was present where they began to understand who God was through the form of Jesus Christ and through the apostles and they began to honor God and they submitted to God in holy fear and then miracles were present. But we don't give God, we don't fear God. We try to be God ourselves and we try to conjure up something. If we pray hard enough, if we throw enough oil on somebody, they're going to get healed. We do it within our own strength. It's never been about us. 
Our responsibility is to have the fear of God in our lives and in our church, and we release through that fear a reverence of who God is. And we just allow miraculous signs to come. Understand that? But that comes, that comes as we grow in our understanding of who God is. Man, if we understood how insignificant we are, it's God that produces breath in our lungs. Life is so fragile, yet we think we're kings of it or queens of it, that we can dictate every part of it, and we're in complete control. But I believe that without a fear of the Lord, we will lack seeing miracles. We will lack those signs and wonders. But if we're a church that truly fears God, it releases those things within the church. But there was a holy fear of who God was. And it allowed the mighty miraculous power to come and to move. It says they were together. They had fellowship and had everything in common. So what does this mean when we say they had everything in common? They thought the same. They believed the same. They acted the same. They had everything in common. They were in one accord. So how do we, how do we establish that? How do we get to that place? Well, you, you, you make sure that you build a solid foundation. You make sure it's biblically founded because guess what? If we don't base it on a biblical principle and we don't establish everything biblically, guess what? We're going to have about a million and a half opinions. But it won't be, we won't be able to find common ground on them because there's too much variables. Right? We have to establish the church on things that are founded in His Word. That is Jesus, is, did Jesus Christ come and die on the earth? Absolutely. Did He raise from the dead? Absolutely. Was Jesus God's one and only Son? Absolutely. You know, these should be things where, man, there's no... If you say no and I say yes, oh man, these are foundational things. There should be no confusion. Now you start talking about prayer languages and all these deep, you know, well, it was for the old times, it's for now. It's, you know, we get into these theological things. Man, now we start getting into dangerous ground where we start interpreting, right? But where we have to think the same and act the same and believe the same are the things that are, that are black and white in the Scripture, it shouldn't be, well, let's interpret that. Why are we interpreting that? Just believe it as truth. That's it. Don't try to understand it. Just believe it. And we all stand at the same place. That's the only way we're going to get to where we all believe the same, we think the same, we start acting the same. It's like them crazy Christians. They're all crazy, right? By their love for one another. But it says they were all together and they had everything in common. They were in one accord. And they, they sold all, all their possessions and goods. Now, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, sell everything? What the heck am I going to live? And You know, you start, you start freaking out, right? So I don't believe that this was that, I don't think that they sold everything, but they sold things that, they, that had value as other people had need. Because we got to understand the word that they used here was need, not wants. Don't sell all your stuff so I can get big, cool stuff. That wasn't the point. It said needs, that's your basic things. Right? It says that then they gave to anyone who had need. But I believe that what they cultivated here, because we talked about unity, we talked about fellowship, we talked about the importance of being connected as the body of Christ. What did it say happens when we, when we produce that as a church? They live under commanded blessing. 
It says that nobody lacked anything. How many of you say, hey, I could take some of that, Lord? <laughs> right? Or sometimes our finances don't seem to stretch far enough. You know, or we're believing God for something and we just need somebody to come alongside us and just encourage us in the faith. We need somebody to walk with us. This commanded blessing. Blessing is not always about the, number, the amount of zeros in your bank account. There's so much more to it than that. But I believe that finances and provision and all of the things is a byproduct of a commanded blessing. That we'd have more than we have need of. But if we allow God to govern and dictate and we, we just lay our hearts and say, God, use me. Help me to be connected. Help me to be united. Help me to live in fellowship within the church. We do our part. And then God does his part and he releases commanded blessing. It says that they had communion in their homes. And they opened their homes with glad and sincere, sincere hearts. So what does this mean? They had communion just like we do here. They had communion within their home. And I know we challenged you guys a while back, but if you've never done that, I'd encourage you to do that. It's, it's, not, anything, it's not something that is set apart just for the church. It's set apart for those who believe. But it's what symbolizes unity, right? It was the body that was broken. It was the blood. It was the Spirit of God living in me, in you, that unifies us. It's the utmost representation of unity. It says, so they, so they took communion. It says they also ate together. Not at a restaurant, within their homes. How many of you guys know, guys know that there's a whole different barrier of, of comfort and, you know, they get in your bubble if they come in your home? It's just totally different, and I think it's super important. And I know sometimes our homes are so in disarray that we're like, oh, man, nobody would want... The condition of the home is not the prerequisite for having people in your home. It's a byproduct of our crazy lives, right? As we try to keep our life together. You know, Becky, I, Becky and I, we always try to have people over as often as possible. And God willing, I can have each of you in my home at one point. But I always say when you come over, hey, we live in this house. If I didn't, it'd be clean. My kids are getting awesome at destroying my home in five minutes. But we need to open our homes. There's something that is, that is different when I open my door and you see the environment that I live in. All of a sudden it became very personal. And you just see, you see more of me, right? That's, that's the importance of opening up your homes. With glad and sincere hearts, they had meals together. Don't be all stressed out and frustrated and when you open your homes. Ask God to reveal the blessing it is that you have a home that you can invite people into. So it says, they gave thanks and they praised God for all He was doing and the favor of the Lord was being poured out on all of their lives. Everybody was reaping the benefits of this commanded blessing. And it says, And the Lord added to their number daily. This is not just a Sunday thing. How many of you guys know we invite people to church on Sunday because hopefully, God willing, maybe they'll get saved on a Sunday. 
But it says that when they were functioning in this capacity, they were devoted, they were teaching, they were, they were in one accord, they were all together in one accord in unity. It says that God daily was adding to those who were being saved. How is this happening? Well, maybe they were having church in their homes too. And the Holy Spirit was present. And they said, hey, you know what? I'm having some friends over from church. You come and visit. And they show up and they say, man, I don't know what's going on in this home, but I sense the presence of God. And through that love for one another is enough of a model for them to come to believe. And they say, man, what do I, what do, I do to be a part of this? Well, let me tell you. Every single day, there was people being added to those who were being saved. Those who were a part of the body of Christ. It's something that's very possible. But you've got to be very, very intentional. Let's look at Colossians 3. 12 through 17. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. I'm going to read it to you guys real quick. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through Him. There's a lot of response here on your part. This doesn't say the pastor has to do all this, right? It, it, it's, it's a challenge for you personally. It's, it says clothe yourself. This is something that has to be put on. So what do, how do we do this? We prepare our minds mentally and emotionally. We got to make, make a willful choice to be a part of God's chosen people. So what do, what do we talk about? We talk about compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If you come in this door and you leave all of those at home, man, you're going to have a hard time getting along with people. So what, is, what does this look like? If I do not put these things on, when it's cold, we know we need a coat, right? But... When we choose not to put it on, it's kind of like, eh, I'm going to leave it there. So you suffer because you're cold, right? But it says clothe yourself, put on. So it's a tangible thing. I wish my coat was here because I would have put it on. I'm not putting my wife's coat on because I might not be able to get out of it. But in order to put your coat on, what do you have to do? You put one arm in. You wrap it around you. You put the other arm in. It's something that we have to intentionally do. Every single time, compassionate, patient, loving, concerned about others. We've got to begin to think like that. Focus on those things. Man, don't show up selfish. Well, what's in it for me? Did you get in there, man, is the coffee ready yet? Oh, man, you should be saying, man, can I make coffee? Can I get anything? Totally different, right? I'm having a bad morning. Where's the coffee at? Good morning to you too, right? 
Well, I had a bad day. Well, I might have had a bad day too, but I might have remembered to put on my coat and you didn't. I don't know. We got to prepare ourselves, right? We got to put those things on. But it's not something we do just when we come to church. We, we, live, we put it on every single day as a lifestyle. Just like we talk about the, you know, the, the armor, helmet of salvation. Man, well, these are things we have to put on every single day. If you don't put them on, it's like coming to church naked, and nobody would do that. All right? It's something you got to put on every single day, and you got to be intentional. So if you need that illustration to help you, say, no, we said I can't come to church naked. i got to put on those things that God demands of me. But if he allows you to put them on, he can give you grace to walk them out. It's a choice to equip yourself daily in your life. 1 Peter 4, 8-9, it says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. What is grumbling? <laughs> you know, here's your coffee. Let me get the door for you. Hurry up. It's cold out there. You know, man, you can really, it can be nasty, right? And I'm over-exaggerating all of this to really prove a point, right? We can really do things wrong. But what does it say? To love, to be compassionate, to be kind, to be gentle, to be patient in all things. Galatians 5, 13 through 15, it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Everybody say, in love. Not how you want or how you feel or how your day went. So the entire law is summed up in this single command, love your neighbor as yourself. And listen to this, verse 15, it says, If you keep on biting and, devour, and devour, uh, devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Brother, no, are you telling me that can happen in the church? Yeah. But we each personally have a response and how we act. Tell our kids that all the time, right? It's your choices that got you there. It was your actions that caused that. Why do we exclude ourselves from that? And we say, oh, it was their fault when you were the issue, right? Make sure you hold yourself accountable. Amen. Submit yourself to God and allow Him to change those rough edges. But if you keep biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. How many of you guys can quote Thumper? What did Mama say? If you can't, don't say nothing at all. Watch that, man. I almost pulled the clip, and I was like, man, we're going to get so side-distracted, and I want to watch the rest of the movie, right? It's always you get one little piece, and it's like, oh, man, he stopped it. I was ready for the next part. But think about that, man. If I can't say anything nice, man, if my tongue is just, is just harsh and brash, and, I'm not, and I can't filter it, God, just help me to shut up. Because, God, every word that I speak, I want it to be uplifting. Every word that I speak, I want it to be encouraging, I want it to begin to promote unity rather than destroy it. 
God, change me so that we could be changed. God, change me so that we could walk in a spirit of unity. God, unite our hearts, God, so we can walk in commanded blessing. Because the need is great, Lord. Man, can you imagine being a church that gets to a place of where we never have to turn anybody away or say, hey, we can't afford that or we can't do that? And we have to turn people away? God can create something and so richly bless a church that we can give to whatever the need is. But God better be in it. It's not something that we can create with our own hands. But I believe we can get to that place when we live under a commanded blessing that it becomes so substantial and so big in our lives that we can't, we can't deny it. God is calling the church to a lifestyle fellowship and desires us to dwell together and to truly function as a family. So this is only something that God can do, but we have to be willing to put aside our strong opinions and personalities sometimes for the sake of living together, and we have to choose unity. We have to choose fellowship. I think when we live in unity and people see the church and their love for one another, it brings honor to God. So when we reverse that statement, what does it do when we live in discord? and hate one another. Man, it does not bless God. You know, that's, that's always flip-flop them in my mind because it's like, well, this is the good thing. This is the result we get. This is the blessing. What happens when we live in disarray? So if he says commanded blessing, what's the opposite of commanded blessing? Under a curse. Man, are you serious? It's the, the opposite of Blessing. Would God do that? Man, I hope not. I hope He'd give us grace till we figure it out, right? But there has to be an intentionalness in each of us to fight for the unity of the church. So God is going to build a foundation this year in our church. He's also going to lead us in what it looks like to model a godly family. And I believe that this year, if you guys will hold on and you guys will, will, will journey with us this year, that we're going to truly see what fellowship really looks like in the church this year. So let me tell you just a few uh, things that really have blessed me recently, you know, because I preach things and I encourage people. And and sometimes, you know, you don't ever know, man, are people getting it? Are people listening? Hey, you heard the message? Get the CD because you didn't hear it this morning. You need to listen to it when you're ready, right? You know, as a pastor, you know, you're sometimes like, are people really getting what we're saying? Are people beginning to practice what we're teaching? Are, they, are people beginning to, to model what is, what's, what is taught in the Word? Man, I've had the privilege of, you know, every Sunday, right before you guys leave, I say, hey, if it's your first time here, we got first-time visitor cards in the back, fill one out, and I'd love to touch base with you every, this week. And I get the privilege of calling individuals and saying, hey, you know, man, we're so happy you're here. And sometimes I even get a privilege of them sharing how the experience went. You guys want to know how, they, how it's going? Some of you are like, oh, hope not. I don't know, right? So check this out. One individual said that they were greeted by so many people, they couldn't remember all the names. That's my heart, man. That's what we want to where people are just being swarmed. I mean, not, you know, not literally swarmed, but man, just where people are loving on people. A new family visited for the first time and they told me, you know, they were crazy blessed that 
that a group of youth approached the youth. They went to the younger youth and they, they introduced themselves. If you're a youth and it's your first time here and you're like, I don't know anybody, and a whole group of youth come up to you. So we're doing a great job on that. That's a big deal. I've been, I've been seeing fellowship begin to grow more and more, you know, uh, before the service. People are getting here early. Praise God. That's a good thing, right? Fellowship before the service. And guess what? At the end of service, I almost have to kick you guys out. But let, guess what? That's what we want. How good and pleasing it is when brethren choose to dwell together in unity. So if you want to stay here long enough, I guess I'll give you a key in the code and say, hey, lock up when you're done. Right? I'm beginning to see the church begin to, to change and to be concerned about people to where people are saying, well, no, I know him, I know him. I know, man, I don't know this person. I'm going to go introduce myself. Being proactive, being intentional in those things. Fellowship and family, they should go hand in hand. Also, I'm, I'm noticing that people are really beginning to accommodate families, not just people that are on your age level. If they go and they introduce themselves or they say hello, they're not only just talking to the parents, but they're talking to the children. And they're just as important. So, man, I'm super excited that I'm beginning to see fellowship, you know, just because this isn't the secret ingredient. Okay, I'm talking on fellowship and now it's going to begin to happen. It's already happening, but this is something going forward that we want to make sure is a, a, a pillar in our church. That we're concerned about fellowship and unity and oneness, being the unified body of Christ. Man, I hope that uh, they don't always lie to me. Hopefully at some point I might get bold enough and say, well, what did you not like? And then we'll learn together, right? Because for good things, sometimes there's bad things, right? But I'll tell you what, if we as a church will try the best we can to produce fellowship and unity and oneness and love people and love God, most of the time people will give you enough grace for the things you mess up. Because I know there's things that we could have done better. You know, and sometimes I'm really critical. I'm like, man, where, where, do, we, where do we mess up this Sunday? You know, where do, you know, that's part of the way I think. Where, how can we do better? What are different things that we need to improve in? But man, if we do the best we can and we're loving God and we're loving people and we, we're, we're promoting fellowship within the church, people will give us grace. They won't worry about the little insignificant things because they'll be overwhelmed by the good things. Amen? So this morning, I, w I would like to share a team ministry that we're going to begin to put together starting this morning. Everybody ready? I like these middle ones right here. It's like, hey, I don't know yet, right? You're like, who wants to sign up? And don't ever sign up for something you don't know what you sign up for. And everybody did a great job on that. So the impact team, this is what it's going to be called. So this is made up of people that have the potential to impact every area of our church. The impact team is the heartbeat of the church, and it consists of people serving together at different levels. This team gives each and every one of you here a chance to be a part of our family at harvest time in a practical way. So this morning... I would like to introduce Cecily Brazil. Can you please come up? Give her a round of applause. 
So she's gonna she is going to function in the role of our uh, volunteer coordinator here at the church, and uh, we're just gonna let her share her heart. All right, are y'all ready? Um, I am excited about things going on at Harvest Time. My name is Cecily, if you have never met me. Um, my family attends here with me. I'm married to James back there. And I love family. If you don't know anything about me, we have seven children. And I just love it. I love a big family. And so I like that our church functions as a big family. You know, on the wall and on the bulletin on places, you'll see it say that we are family so our heart is to be very intentional to get you involved and give you opportunity to be a part of that family. You know, when we're part of a family, I'm going to start setting my stuff down here. When we're part of a family, um, we can come alongside and begin to take ownership of things that are going on in the church. It, be, it begins to... Um, give us opportunity to build relationships, deeper relationships like Brother Noe was talking about than just a Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, I might be able to shake all your hands and tell you hello and tell you that I'm glad that you're here, but I'll never get to that deeper place unless I start to form deeper relationships outside of just Sunday morning. So we've been very intentional about making opportunities for that to happen with our fellowship in the mornings, with our life groups on Wednesday nights, and now with our impact teams. Now, what I like about these impact teams is you can start coming to church and get on an impact team as soon as you want. They're very easy. They're easy to be a part of. And I feel like there's something for just about everyone. If you can only serve on Sunday mornings, we have something you can do. If you can serve during the week, we might have an opportunity for you. If you're a weekend kind of person because your life's really busy, then we have opportunity for that too. So if you look in the rows in front of you, Sorry, no, there's none on the front row. Or maybe on the rows behind you. Or if you cannot find this card anywhere near you, just raise your hand and I will have someone bring it to you. It says HTC Impact Teams. And there's a few teams listed on this card. Did everyone get one or can see one or is one near you? If not, just raise your hand, show me, and I will get one to you. So um, if you look at this, it says, I am interested in helping, and please check all that, that apply. So there's some pins around you. If not, again, raise your hand. I'll make sure that you get everything that you need. But we're just going to go through these real quick, and I'm going to highlight them. Our first one is outdoor maintenance. Now, we have Brother Jim Giles, who is over our outdoor maintenance but if you are an outdoorsy person who likes to work outdoors, you might enjoy cutting the lawn. You might enjoy weed eating. Does anyone enjoy weed eating? Uh, no, he's right here with that. No, he's right here. So yeah, that's not, not everyone's favorite. That's okay. If you like to pull weeds, if you have um, something, if you like to come to your church and see that it's beautified on the outside, that might be something that you might want to help with. They usually meet during the weekends. On, on Saturdays, sometimes they come up on a Friday. If you would be interested in helping in any capacity in that um, impact team, go ahead and check that little box right there. Um, the next one is our hospitality team. If you are really excited about first impressions, if you like to greet people as they're coming in the door and give them a handshake, if you like to cook for people and would like to help host us, our coffee spot, go ahead and check that team. Um, the next one is our pre-service prep. So 
There's a lot that goes on to get our church ready for Sunday mornings. And it's great to have people that would come alongside and help with that. It might be straight, uh, la, 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 straightening up the sanctuary. It might be putting out water, getting mints, just being available to help with, it, with whatever needs to be done. The same with our post-service cleanup. As we are telling everybody goodbye, we're closing down the sanctuary, there's things that, practical things that need to be done. If you come alongside, you could be a great help to us there. Also, I'm just going to throw uh, Brother Ken out here for our facility maintenance. We have never had like a team of people that come and help work on the building, not that I know of. And so Ken has come and became a part of our church, and he said, hey, I like to fix things. Do you need some help in that area? And he has really been spearheading little tiny things around our church that might have been broken for a while or that might need attention. He just comes alongside and he is getting those things done. And we are so appreciated to, uh, to you. So um, if anybody is handy, would like to help uh, with projects or things that need to be done, that is available for you too. So does anybody have any questions? I know sometimes I talk fast when I come up here. I apologize for that. Does anybody have any questions of what these impact teams look, look like? I'll give you just a second. Judah, you have a question? No. Okay, great. So, um, you know, we do, we do want to welcome everyone to become a member of Harvest Time. As you start coming to church and you feel like this is your church home, we have a membership class that you can come and join and, and go on that road to be a membership, to be a member here. But that is not necessarily true for if you want to be on an impact team. If you've been coming and you're wanting to get connected and see what it's like, we welcome you to come Fill this out, come and see me. If you have a question, I will be available after service or you can call or text me on this number. If you don't know for sure what you might like to do but you do wanna get involved, come and talk to me. We can talk it out and see if we can find a place to plug you in because you are important to us and we want everyone to have a place here. Great job, great job. And that's why she is going to be the volunteer coordinator. So if you see her coming, don't run the other way, please. Be like, oh, here comes Cecily. And... So if there's an area of interest, please check one, fill it out, and then bring it to the front. You can put it in these, in these uh, offering buckets at the front. But the whole heart of this, we've seen, we've seen fallout from people. We've seen people that have attended church for a long time and have never been a part of anything and we don't feel that you really know what it is to be a part of something unless you're really a part of it. So we want to give everybody an opportunity at an entry basic level. Like, you, if this is your first time here. Like, man, I'd like to be a part of something. I don't even know anything about the church, but I want to help. This is what this is available for. There's a whole other side to this. This does not dip into ministry areas. Because you might be saying, well, what about all these other ones? Listen, this, this is right here. This right here gives an opportunity for anybody at any level to do it. So... Just as a be free, and I'm going to encourage. I'm going to encourage if you are a member of Harvest Time Church, that you do something. Find some place where you can serve, where you can be a part, but also give each and every one of you here the opportunity. If you're not a member, and you want to be a part, you can still be a part. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. For those of you who journeyed all three weeks with us, thank you. 
I know sometimes it's hard. It's like, well, man, I got to go. I don't want to miss anything. For those of you who didn't get the first week or the second week, want to make it available to you. Go back to the sound booth or if you guys need one and they don't have enough copies, let us know. We'll keep a tally or something of how many more we need to make and we'll just try to make sure we get those resources to you. Week one, we covered foundation. It's essential to your Christianity. It's essential to the church. Foundation has to be established. Family. If if your family at home is a wreck, it's going to affect when you come to church. So we're concerned about what family looks like at home for you also. And then fellowship, man, that's one of my favorite parts. That's when everything comes together and we begin to thrive and live and enjoy the, the company of each other. So Becky and I, we really believe that this is really kind of the makeup of what, God willing, this next year is going to look like. I can't say that we won't come away from some of these things that we cover, but we really feel that this is going to be woven through the whole year as far as what we're going to focus on, what our topic's going to cover, what are, what's going to be the, the, the DNA of what this church, what we're trying to cultivate within this church. But if you ever talk to me, I'm serious. I say, it, I say it all the time. I've kind of gotten away from it because I've been trying to focus on one thing. But when I say we're family, I mean it. That's what I want this church to be established as and rep- representing what I want it to look like. If you have a need and it doesn't matter when it is or when you call me, I'm there for you. I'm really here for you. I love you. I want to be a part of your lives. I want you to be a part of my life. I want to open up and we want to be transparent. We want to be unified. But only God can build that. But by His grace and by our willingness, He can accomplish it. Amen. Father, this morning, I ask that you would just cultivate a, a, a spirit of unity and fellowship in our lives, God. Lord, I pray that you would just help us grow because getting along is hard sometimes, God. I pray that we would just grow and that you would just unite our hearts. Father, Lord, that your spirit inside of us would just unify us, God. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, be the glue that holds us all together, Lord. Father, I pray that as, as we venture through this next year, God, I pray that you would just uh, be involved in everything we do, Lord. I just uh, I submit this church to you. I submit these people to you, God, that you would change those things that I cannot change, Father, and within ourselves, we cannot change. But Lord, we release you to be God. We release you to, to rule and reign in this church. Father, that you would work all things out for your good. Father, I pray for a spirit of unity and oneness and fellowship. And Father, that as we do our part, you would do your part and and release that commanded blessing on everything we do, God. Father, I pray for each household and family represented here, Lord. I pray that you'd bless them physically, spiritually, emotionally. Father, this next week would be a great week. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing and all that that you've yet to do, God. Father, we just love you. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If it's your first time here and it's your first time visiting, man, make sure you fill out a first-time visitor card. But remember, I'm going to be in Tennessee, so I probably won't contact you this week, but we'll shoot for next week. But just uh, take the opportunity to do that. If you're visiting and you don't know somebody, man, reach your hand out. Also, our church, make sure we introduce yourself. You guys continue to fellowship. You guys be blessed. Have an awesome week. We'll see you guys next week. 
Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.